You ready? Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. Today's show is for everyone, and I mean everyone. Who doesn't want advice and an action plan from a life coach? Nobody. My guest today is consultant, trainer, speaker, and executive coach, Aaron Lubin, president of Executive Recruiters Agency, Outplacement Consultants, and the Aaron Lubin Consultants in Little Rock, Arkansas. Accumulatively, Aaron has almost 40 years' experience in the recruiting industry. For 20 years, he was CEO of one of the most successful temporary staffing agencies in the Southwest overseeing eight satellite offices that were listed in the top 10% of recruiting offices in the whole United States. And I just learned he's traveled to 125 countries. 112. My goal is to get to 125. 112 countries. That's a big, that's a big deal. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table, the ambitious and super personable Aaron Lubin. Glad to be here, Carrie. You've done a lot, not to mention 112 countries. But before we start, why do you have three business names? Well, because, you know, they they appeal to a different, I mean, they, they appeal to somewhat similar audience, but different. So the recruiting firm was mostly recruiting, finding talent for companies. The consulting firm was, like I said, consulting, might going in to say, okay, how do you market yourself? How do you brand your company? Uh, that might be how to hire people, doing seminars on how to hire people. Um, also did uh, work on training, training managers, supervisors. And then outplacement consultants was geared to companies that were doing layoffs, whether they were closing a facility, laying off a manager, where an outplacement consultant, you kind of help them career transition. Yeah. All right. The first 10 minutes of the show is really spent learning about you. And then at 10 minutes, we go to a break and then we come back and we learn everything you have to teach us about life coaching, which is a lot of stuff like what to do, like you just said, when a company sells or downsizes and how can help people transition with that. Job hunting and how to interview well. And my favorite, how to identify your strengths and focus on your goals. Everybody wants to know that. But first, let's find out where you grew up. Are you from California? No, I'm from St. Louis. Uh, Carrie, my, my father uh, came over from Russia. He was about 10 years old. It was right near the Bolshevik Revolution. And he came over and uh, immigrated to Ellis Island, moved to St. Louis. And he had about an eighth grade education, became an electrician. And damn good electrician. Uh, I grew up in an immigrant neighborhood where all my friends' parents were European countries. And they were all kind of, they were sign painters, tailors, plumbers, all tradespeople, all worked very hard. And they all took a lot of pride in what they did. And doing a good job was the most important part of their what they did for their customers. Yes, they wanted to make a living, but that was secondary. And it was the days if you didn't do the job right, and a customer called you, they didn't ask you 50 questions. Have you tried this? Have you done that? They would just say, hey, I'll be out there to fix it. And my dad, I saw him work very, very long hours, probably worked like before Sam Walton said he worked half a day, that's what my father did, worked half a day <laughs> from seven to seven, six <laughs> days of work. So I learned that kind of work ethic, and I went to work. I had my uh, uh, first job. I was a uh, baseball umpire at 12 years old, and what a great experience because when you're a baseball umpire, you're out there on the – you're by yourself. It kind of kicks you ready for life because in life – when you boil it down, you you you're, you face decisions, controversy by yourself. So there I am as a 12-year-old, you know, dealing with parents and coaches who are two times my age. Yeah, what age? Who, uh, who are you? Who you are know, you I was, reffing? I was reffing kids could be could be anywhere from nine to 15 years old. And I'll never forget, Carrie. One time, this coach was getting on me, and I went over to him. I said, next time. You start getting on me. I'm going to throw you out of the game. You're 12. 
And I walked around, turned around, and my knees were shaking. I said, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah, I, but we've all been in those situations where we've had to deal with some controversy, virtually where you've had to kind of step up to the plate, even though you're shaking in their boots, but you had to do that. And then I had jobs. I was a, I was a waiter. And I tell that is one of the best jobs that you can get because you learn customer service. You learn conflict. You learn how to take care of people, how to go the extra mile. You learn that the service is, is as important as the food that you're serving. So you're learning some and teamwork. You're learning life skills that stay with you. I tell you know, young people kind of look at you like, work at a restaurant that's like beneath me. I said, I don't care if you're a lawyer, a doctor, business owner, pharmacist, you have to have customer service skills. And teamwork. You, you have and to teamwork. work with the kitchen. You, have, you are yeah. the go between between the kitchen and the customer. And you got to learn not to blame it when the meal's cold. Don't blame it on the kitchen. Yeah, because every meal will be cold. Exactly. You got to <laughs> say, hey, we didn't. It's we. It's a team. Mm -hmm. So I did that. I was also a leader for a junior high uh, club. Did experience at that. I was a basketball referee. Um, did door to door, uh, sold first aid kits, ironing board covers back then. Great experiences on on how to deal re with rejection, how to deal, be persistent, how to be resilient. I mean, those were things that really trained me. Uh, I, I use one of uh, Mark Twain's quotes, one of my favorite quotes, and I love quotes: "Is don't let your books get in the way of your education." Oh, wow. Because that's a great one. When you get out of college, yeah, they may ask you your GPA to get your first job. But I know when I ran my own business, probably like you, Carrie, nobody ever asked me what my GPA was. They want to know what kind of service, what are you going to provide me? They didn't care about my GPA. And those are the, unless you're going into research, you yes, know, a profession and you're not dealing that with people. That. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's relationships. It's it's your people skills. And so I learned to deal with all kind of people. I mean, I painted curbs. I was in between jobs once. In fact, painted Elvis Presley's curb <laughs> in uh, Los Angeles and and Danny Thomas's curbs. And great experience <laughs> to paint curb. I I didn't know I was a painter. <laughs> And it was a lot of fun uh, to do those. So the jobs I held were fun. I didn't look at them as menial jobs beneath me. They were just life learning kinds of jobs. I get upset when I hear people say, oh, I haven't. Well, I haven't. When they come to apply for a job for me, and I said, what have you been doing for the past year? Well, I haven't been able to find a job. And I think you can find everybody can find a yeah. job. It may not be the job you want, but you can find a job and you never know where that job's going to lead you. I'll tell you, two of the jobs that I got were not advertised, somebody looking. It was knocking on doors. Of course, in those days, you could get into somebody's office. You know, right. Now that with security and all that, when I, I wanted to get in the entertainment business, I went to school college out in Southern California, in, you know, typical entertainment business. And so I knocked on doors of different talent agencies, being an agent. Got turned down by a lot of people. Finally, this one place, I kept knocking on, knocking on the door. They said, finally, we'll see you. <laughs> and they finally said, we're tired of seeing you. We're going to create a job for you. You're hired. You know, Carrie, I didn't know what my pay was until I got my first check. Because you know what? I didn't care. They could have paid me nothing. When you want something, you want to get into something, the pay was secondary. I did not know. Can you imagine somebody today taking a job, not knowing what, what am I going to get paid their first mm -hmm. paycheck? But I was glad to get in the entertainment business. You're doing exactly what Warren Buffett told a bunch of MBA people at Harvard. He said, they asked him, how do you get a job at your at firm you like? And, or just how do you get a job when you graduate from school? And he said, I recommend finding the firm that you want, or the career you like or at the firm you like, going there and getting a job, even if it's sweeping the floor or being a janitor at night, and then just get your foot in the door and then work your way up to where you want to be. He said too many people want to start too high up. Find the place you want to work like you did with the agency. Get your foot in the door. So what happened after you got the agency? So I worked there for a couple of years, and then I got into I never thought that I would get into the fashion industry. And there I was um, 
it's interesting when I applied for that job and I, I tell people, young people, you never know what kind of question somebody's going to ask you in an interview. In those days, you put your hobbies on there. So I put, I played baseball. So, so one of the questions the interviewer asked me, who became my future boss, what position do you play? I said, shortstop or second base. He said, we need a, we need an infielder on our team in the advertising <laughs> league. You're hired. That is not true. That's true. You never know why so, you're going to get hired, do so you? So you don't know the kinds of questions. You know, if you can make a connection with them. So I worked there in the fashion. I, I sold advertising. I wrote advertising, worked with models, uh, did merchandising with the publications. And you talk about two tough industries, the fashion industry and the entertainment industry, long hours, tough, and they pay to get started the least of probably any other industries. Yeah. But I wanted to get into those industries. And then I, I uh, quit my job. I'd broken up with a young lady and I was devastated. And I had never traveled to Europe before. I went to Europe. And uh, you quit You quit your job, quit, my quit job. your girlfriend, went to Europe. Three days later, I got on a chartered flight landing in Frankfurt, Germany with a passport and no itinerary. How old were you? 20, about 26, 25, 26. Okay. No itinerary. Met people on the, on the, on the, had a rail pass, met people, traveled with people, great experience. You know, these are kind of experience learn you to, to be independent, to take care of yourself, put yourself in foreign situations. Think on your feet. And, and those are the kinds of things that we're all, no matter what our stage in life is, no matter what we do, those are the things that are presented to you in life. So when I came back is when I painted curves because I wanted something to do, did fuller brush door to door. <laughs> And then how long did you stay in Germany? I was, I was, I was in Europe a total of about 13 weeks and it was great. I really had a great time. Uh, when I came back, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. A friend of mine told me, said, you need to go down to this recruiting firm. They might be able to help you with a job. So oh, I don't know. So I went down there. They end up hiring me. So that's how I, I, to I, paint I, I knew nothing about the recruiting business. Oh, they hired yeah. you to be in the, oh, yeah. so. I didn't know, if, you know, I thought the recruiting business was, you sat there all day and you interviewed people and that's all you did. Right. I didn't realize you got to go out and find clients. So that was the beginning of your career that yes. you've had all your life. Yeah. Okay. And, Gosh, that's good. And you know what they did? What? And, and I don't think companies do it today. You know, they, how they started me with my clients. They said, Aaron, here's the yellow pages. Anybody you want to call on, you can call on. <laughs> that's like the third or fourth person we've had say that's yeah. how they started so their they, how you they can got imagine there you are looking at a yellow page you're book. a yellow page and your boss not giving you a lot of help and you got to figure out what am i going to do well, again another again a great experience i began to, i ended up becoming a manager of a department work with some great people and so when i moved to arkansas i was originally from st louis went to school out there i thought well what do I know? I had some friends that had moved here going to graduate school. I didn't really go. I didn't really know anybody in, in Little Rock and S Southern California was getting crowded and smog and drugs. And I How'd said, how you, you pick know, Arkansas? Well, my friends were going to graduate school. Oh, I, that's and right. I came here okay, for a visit. Sorry. I said, this looks like a great place. It's green. I always, my dream was always to go on my own business. Growing up in that neighborhood that I grew up with, all my friends, parents being they're, they're all in their own business with trades. Right. It was kind of around me. I always wanted to run my own shop. I thought that would be rewarding. I could build something. And so I said, hey, since I know the recruiting business, this is what I'm going to do. And uh, I had no, you know, so I just kind of went out and introduced myself and joined a lot of organizations. Uh -huh. And because I learned, especially in Arkansas, it's a very much an organizational state. People belong to a lot of organizations. We have so many nonprofits and so many organizations and joined the JCs. I didn't know anything about the JCs mm -hmm. and joined the human resource association. So all of a sudden, and, and what I tell people too, don't just join an association. If you're going to be a member, get involved. You and, have that. as, And one that's of what your... I did. Mm -hmm. I got involved in every association was either an officer or a program chairman or became president because 
again, that's how you can really make a contribution. I saw, really, you know, and and do some good to the community. Absolutely. I saw on your website that you talk about networking. So this is a great place to take a break. We're going to talk about some of these step-by-step processes on networking, interviewing for your dream job, identifying your strengths and your life goals. And if you're sitting on the couch paralyzed, we're going to talk you up on how to make an action plan. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner, During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting from door-to-door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now, flagandbanner.com relies heavily on the internet and live chats with customers all over the world. Over this time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge has grown. As early as 2004, she began sharing her knowledge in her weekly blog. In 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, and in 2014, Brave Magazine, a biannual publication. Today, she has branched out into podcasts, Facebook live stream, and YouTube videos of this radio show. Each week, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. Stay up to date by joining flagandbanner.com's mailing list. You'll receive our Water Cooler Weekly e-blast that notifies you of our upcoming guests, happenings at Dreamland Ballroom, sales at flagandbanner.com, access to Brave Magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post. All that in one weekly email. Or you may simply like flagandbanner.com's Facebook page for timely notifications. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. So you're listening to Up in Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Aaron Lubin. He's a life coach and really more. He's president of the Executive Recruiter Agency in Little Rock, Arkansas. So you work well. We, when we went to the break, you were talking about starting your business in Arkansas and networking and how important that all was to you. How much does it cost you to start your business? Just for people to know how little it is to well, it cost starting. It, it, it doesn't take much at all because I didn't take a salary. And you, <laughs> you so know, did you work a part-time job? No, no. I had some money it saved up. Oh, okay. And I said, you know, I can't pay myself. I've got to go out and get clients. It's interesting, Carrie. I had, this was, I had, Two phone lines. Mm-hmm. I was by myself. And what I would do, I would, when I had to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. or go to lunch, I very rarely went to lunch. I had, my lunch. I had to go out so for some reason. Mm-hmm. I would call the one line to the other line. And make so it if busy. you called my business, the lines were busy because I couldn't afford an answering service. That so is people thinking would out say, of the box. Your line was busy. You guys must be busy. I said, yeah, we've, we've been busy. <laughs> Aaron, that is creative. Anybody that doesn't think business is creative needs to rethink that again. All right. You work with individuals and you work with corporations, right. but a lot of people listening today are going to be individuals. So let's start with your career counseling for individuals. You say on your website, we can provide you with the objective career advice and support you need to make the changes you want as quickly as possible. The skills you learn from working with us, you will use the rest of your life. So where do you start? Well, you got to, you know, I think is, is you, you got to find somebody's passion. You know, life's too short. And it's more acceptable now to change jobs five years. My days, you stay in a job. You know, once you start a job, you were there for 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are the things that you like to do? And if you can get that into a workday, and that may be you have to explore some different things. Do you, you have may, them take a test when they come see you? Like, do they take the Myers-Briggs well, test? I've done the, done the Myers-Briggs test, view psychological tests in the past. I've had some strong, it's called the strong inventory test which tell, do you like doing this? Do you like doing that? Mm-hmm. So that helps people in doing that. But, you know, you got to, I tell people, hey, if you want to be a fashion designer, I'll ask them, have you sat down with a fashion designer? No. I said, well, how do you know what a fashion designer do? I said, call a fashion designer. 
you'll find if you call people, they'll welcome. Go sit down with two or three of them. Say, tell me what you do nine to five, day in and day out. What does a fashion designer do? That is exactly why I started this radio show, because people called me and emailed me asking me advice all the time. And we welcome it. It makes me feel good about myself. You you got it. You go. I mean, you could read about it, but talk to people and then then even say, hey, do it as a part time job and say, "Okay, I'm going to go work for a fashion designer. The pay is not important. I want to see day in and day out. If this is something I really feel my passion for. And like you said before the break, you could even, I mean, just get a job sweeping the floors there. It doesn't matter. Just get your foot in the door and see if you like the feel of the business. And, and you'll be around and you'll learn a lot by, you know, the old thing, you you learn a lot by what, I love Yogi Berra said that. What? You'll learn a lot by watching. Yeah, you will. You watch people, you see what they do, you talk to them. What do you like? What don't you like? But the skills that I think to be successful, I could piggyback on that. Companies are looking for perseverance, resiliency. How are you on building relationships? How do you work within a team? How do you deal with adversity? What's your work ethic like? That's perfect. Those are the kinds of things. Not like, okay, you're supposed to be at work at 8 o'clock. And you show up at 8.05, you get a co- go to the coffee pot for a cup of coffee, you go to the bathroom, you go outside, you talk to a few people, now quarter to nine, you're ready to go to work. It drives employers up the wall. It would drive me up the wall. So, you know, th- those skills, they're hard to train. Those are skills that usually people have it or not. And I found the best, I tell people, one of the things I like, the best bosses that you can work for have high expectations. I tell them, think back of when you were in school, grade school, high school, college. What professors did you hate the most? And what professors did you learn the most from? The ones that are most demanding. You didn't appreciate it at the time. I know it was the same way. But I look back and I can remember those teachers that tested me, that wouldn't take excuses. And I've had a co- I've had a couple bosses, high standards, and those are the ones I remember and appreciate. So I tell especially younger people starting out, don't think, oh, yeah, I got an easy way. You want to talk when you're interviewing. Find out what they're saying. Go to work for somebody who has accountability. And I, I expect, that's the way you're going to learn and grow. You know, as a boss, it took me a long time to learn to be the boss that you're talking about, to really make defined uh, rules and and enforce those rules. And I, I, I remember I would do some exit interviews with some of my favorite employees and 20 years ago or more, and they would say, I love working here, but you're letting all these other people get away with stuff, and I am the one who's having to clean up the mess you're spending all your time on your C and D employees and not any time on your A and B employees. And it took me a long time to learn that you, you celebrate the stars and you rotate the C and D employees. You try to train them first. You try to make really clear rules, let them know really what's going to happen after one, two, or three um, warnings. And then you really, after three warnings, you really do let them go. And People, I think, they want to know. Where the boundaries where they are. Stand is. Mm-hmm. I do too. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see industry make, bosses, managers, owners don't want to deal with conflict. That's right. They don't want to tell the person, hey, you're not cutting it here. And they wait and wait until they get fed up and it's okay. I've had enough. I'm going to terminate this person. And that's not fair. I've seen that on outplacement where companies lay off people. I had one situation, laid off somebody after 30 years with the company. And I said, well, when did you know that they were, oh, about 10 years ago? And you didn't have the guts to go talk to them about them and give them a chance to change. So I tell individuals, employees, find out, even if your company doesn't do a formal review, you need to ask your boss, hey, I want to sit down and see, I got to know where I am, what you like, where I need to improve. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and then let's flip that. If you're an, an, an individual and you're not happy, how is your boss supposed to know? 
And then one day you blow up or you move on and your boss is like, what's wrong? And you were like, and the, and the employee maybe you never appreciated me or you never saw what I was doing or, you know, whatever it might be. Well, people, you know, there was a Likert study, University of Michigan, asked employers 10 reasons why people leave, asked employees 10 reasons why you leave. Okay. You know what? They were opposite. Employers put the people leave for money and that was like third or fourth. Yeah. Employees put, I want to be valued. I want to be included. I want to be appreciated. And I want to, and I want to, uh, I want to grow and I want to grow. That's right. right. And I want to affect change and grow with the company. Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe that completely. So uh, what's the number one mistake that employees or people looking for a job make when they go in on an interview? Not prepared. It is amazing. And you would think with all the Internet, they go in there and are not prepared because sometimes what happens is the person who gets interviewed is not necessarily the most qualified, but the person who knows how to interview the best. Because, see, most can't, when somebody's interviewing, most candidates are fairly, there's not a lot of difference. So the employer's got to make, usually you heard the old expression, on a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. If you go there in prepared, you know their company, the history, the comp the product, where they can. You know something about the person they're interviewing. Mm -hmm. You go in and know that. And then you ask intelligent questions. Like, what are your expectations? What do you expect to be the first 90 days? What are you looking for? Why did the per why is the position open? Excellent. Is this a replacement? Is it a new position? Why did the other person not work out? Wow, that's a good one. No one has ever asked me that. You know, and what are your expectations in the first 90 days? I they, want to know that. They what always you? ask what the benefits are. But they never ask those questions like, why did the last person leave? What are your expectations? You know, who would, who will be involved? What team? What other people? You say I'll be on a team. What are some of the other kind of people? Are, what are their backgrounds that I'm going to be working with? You know, those are the kind. That's what I'm talking about, being prepared. Salary you never ask, benefits you never ask. The employer knows you're there for a paycheck. Eventually, they're going to come out with that and talk about those kinds of things. Wow. Really good advice. So in the first 30 minutes, we've talked about find your passion, uh, start to work. Never don't work. Always works. You never know where any menial job is going to lead you. Find your passion and then go to work at that place that you think you're passionate about and find out if it really is your passion. Get in on the ground floor, pay attention, listen. And then if you do like it and it is your passion, go in and tell the boss what you want, what you think before you move on or you, um, or you get disgruntled. Or if you decide to go and move to another job, we've talked about going on an interview and being really prepared. I am amazed how many people come to interview with me and have never been to my website. I won't even hire those people. If you come to interview with me and I say, what do you think of my website? They go, you know, I didn't go there. I'm like, that's going to be a three-minute interview. They're not prepared. No. They don't have any initiative. No. And that's a, something you can't train somebody on. You cannot train You can't that. train an initiative. I've yeah. learned that. That's their mother and father's job. You know, person's background. It's interesting. I could tell in my office, mo in most cases, if they were an only child, if they maybe came for two or three children, or if they are one of seven or eight children. Huh. You can tell the person who's been an only child. And I'm generalizing. Uh -huh. Criticism is tough to take. They have a harder time working in a team because they've always, they've been the one. They've been the one the parents have doted. They've come from seven or eight in their family. They've had to share. They know that, hey, the company, we can't just go out and do and buy things at somebody's whim's notice. Part of your job as an owner or manager is fiscal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 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 they, uh, they get along well with others because they've had to learn to negotiate from an early age without getting mother to hear from the other room what's going on. <laughs> So they quietly negotiate. <laughs> Look, Jesse's shaking his head. Yes, because you uh, have four kids. I'm from a family of seven, too. I had three sisters and three brothers. You can negotiate. So when someone leaves you, Aaron, 
What did they walk away with? Well, I think one of the most, probably the most important thing is self-confidence. Because when people are looking for a job, no matter what the circumstances, they've lost their self-confidence. And you've got to help them say, realize you're no different today. Think of yourself when you were successful, maybe two, three months, whatever. You need to get back in that metal frame and feel good about yourself. That's what I call, call you incorporated managing yourself. We have those tapes in our head. We all have them. We can play negative tapes. I can't believe I did this. Oh, my God. I did. I'm not worth anything. I did this. Or you can play positive tapes. Hey, I'm a good person. I have something. I'm a value. I have something to offer. So you've got to get them in that mindset, giving them self-confidence and saying, hey, you've got the tools or the tools that you don't have. You can do some. Go out and read. Go out and learn about this. Before you go on that interview, you're going to you're interviewing in the fashion industry. Learn everything you can about the fashion industry. And to get your confidence up, you're going to do that because I've been around you for years and you make everybody feel good about themselves just just the way you are. And you can also go look at pictures of yourself when you looked good or read something you wrote. You know, uh, sometimes I listen to the podcast that Jesse's maybe edited and kind of hear a past interview and I go, yeah, that was a good interview when I'm feeling kind of inadequate or, you know, not having a great day. So go find some stuff about yourself because I heard someone say just the other night that when I get, it was a director, he was a director of the new movie, uh, the Orient Express that's coming out. Great he, movie. Have you seen it? Yeah, great movie. So he, he, he was the director and he, he and he, and he, the detective. he sure did. And he said, they asked him, uh, what he, what did he do? to motivate his uh, actors because he has some really big stars in it, huge stars. And he said, praise. He said, I just praised them all, all the time. And he said, praise makes everybody try harder and it gives you the courage to do more. So surround yourself with people that praise you. If you're in one of those moments, be where, around positive people. That's so important. And yeah, that's important in the workplace. You know, that's part of that. Net, you know, in the work, when you're working somewhere, you should network and get involved and get to know people outside of your area. Because, what do you mean? Let's say you're working in accounting. You need to you need to interact with the salespeople, the marketing people, the office people, the IT people. Get to know those people because you're going to have to deal with them at some time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just more of your uh, your your human relations uh that you've learned to, to communicate with people. Well, I think one of the things we do too, and you may agree with this is when you and I were younger, you could go to work when you were 12 or 14. We've protected our children so much now that they can't go to work till they're at least 16 years old. And then it's very limited on how they can work. And I feel like you've really missed an opportunity there for a young person to grow because by the time you're 16, you're pretty self-conscious when you're 14, you're self-conscious, but everything you do, you're self-conscious about. So what's going to a job versus going to school versus going on your first date, everything's frightening. So I think it hurts our, our young people by not letting them get out into the workforce and learn life skills early on when there's, when they're very flexible. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. I'm not sure what the answer is to that. Well, I think, Parents sometimes, too, are overprotective, and that hurts the kids. I That hurts the kids when they're too protective. So, okay, let's take another quick break. Uh, so we've talked about individuals, and when we come back, I want to talk about the do's and don'ts. Well, we already talked about the interviewing, but I want to talk about what you do for corporations and managers. We talk, talk, touched a little bit about that, and, and I want to you know, continue to give people uh, action tips. And we might talk about some of the 112 places that you've traveled. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you miss any part of this show, a podcast will be made available next week at flagandbanner.com's website. We've got great news from the Dreamland Ballroom. Dancing into Dreamland is back for the 11th year. That's right. 11th annual Dancing into Dreamland happens on February 12th, 2022. They're changing up the formula a bit with a Valentine's Gala right there in the Dreamland Ballroom. 
Don't worry, all the things you love about the long-standing fundraiser are still in the mix. A real night of revelry in the centenarian structure, culminating around a friendly dance competition. Food, drink, a silent auction. Attendees will have the pleasure of viewing several spectacular dances, and varying genres will fill the night. You'll be able to vote for your favorites via text. It's a very fun evening. Dancing into dreamland. And not the least important thing is it's a terrific fundraiser for this extraordinary historic venue. A panel of celebrity judges will pick their favorite act and they'll be awarded a special cash prize. Dancing into dreamland is back February 2022. So you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Aaron Lubin. He's a life coach and really more. He's president of Executive Recruiter Agency in Little Rock, Arkansas. So what do you think about, you were, we were talking about how insecure actors and actresses are at the break. And you said when you worked in Hollywood that a lot of people had to go out and uh, you had to go out often and run errands to pick up liquor for, for a lot of actors and actresses that really have to have a swig before they can, you know, get in their game. And I said, I did that for Lawrence Hamilton, rest in peace, but I did that for Lawrence Hamilton before he went on for an interview with me. So what about the job market today? Well, the job market is very good. I mean, the problem that employers For are having, well, employers are having problems finding people. There you go. Because there they, are jobs out there. You know, that's the problem. They're having that. So, but again, the people, a I, lot of it's these soft skills that I'm talking about because they're saying these people are not dependable. They're not reliable. They don't want to work. There's a lot of life work balance issues that a lot of people want in their life now. We've got a lot of first world problems. I'm happy to say we're not having to put food. We're not, I mean, really and truly, my parents really were putting food on the table. I mean, they really, really were. And today, you know, I get mad because the elevator's slow in a building. And then I think, oh my gosh, Carrie, get a grip on reality. That is a talk about a spoiled first world problem. So I think that is true for us as employers to find people that really do, that really are ambitious and that really do want to work. Although I have to say, Tim, we have a great crew at Flag and Banner, don't we? We do. I, I really enjoy working there, mainly just because I like everyone we work with so much. I know. Oh, we've got a phone call. Let's see what it is, Aaron. Hello, you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and my guest, Erin Lubin. Have you got a question for either one of us? Um, yes, I do. It, this is all very interesting, and I appreciate him and you being on the air talking about all this. Um, my question um, is, what if you want to start a career after being a stay-at-home mom for forever, and you're in your 50s and you want to start something because the kids are moving out and it's time to do something, you know, important for myself. So right. where would I start? Uh, go ahead, Aaron. So you really need to, got, you know, to, in order to find maybe what's your passion, for you, you need to get out of the workforce. And by that, I mean, get yourself, you can get a part-time job, call it a temporary job, whatever you want. Go to work somewhere so you can see what it's, you know, getting you in the habit of going to work, being around other people. You've been around, you raised your family been around children, you're around now professional people, start somewhere. There's a lot of, you know, temporary agencies. That's a great place to go because they have clients, maybe hire somebody for it. You might fill in in the office of receptionist on maternity leave or sick or part-time job somewhere. Just get some skills and get some, probably more, even as important, get some confidence because I would think, when you haven't worked, you don't have the confidence. So getting going to work someplace, and you're probably going to have to work several different places maybe the first couple of years to build up your skills and get some confidence, get some computer skills, uh, read some books about communications, about relationships, about working with teams. There's a lot of, you know, you can online or go to a bookstore. great books on that. Um even if you went to a workshop or a seminar on that. But the main thing is you got to get started. And so don't worry about, oh, my God, this is this is a job that I'm going to be with the rest of my life. You've just got to build up your port, your your work portfolio and get some skills. Yeah, I hope that helps. And don't think anything's beneath no. you. My mother, that's exactly what my mother did. Great advice. Great question. That's exactly what my mother did after the kids were grown. She went to work at temp agencies. She bounced around from the jobs from here and there. And then she ended up becoming the secretary of the Democrats of Arkansas and it was for, for years and never 
she was temping for somebody there and they decided not to come back and my Great. mother got the job. Great. So, yeah. yeah. And, and also think about the skill set that you have in raising children. Wow. Don't minimize that. And that's something when you go on an interview, don't assume, well, then they know I'm, I'm a parent. You've got to remind people of the skill set, what you've had to do to be a successful parent. You've had to have time management. You've had to be proactive. You've had to deal with conflict, well, conflict with, with children. So those are those are life skills. Yeah. Uh, what do you see for the job market in the future? It's really changing. Well, I of course, you know, the, the healthcare field is still good. The IT field is still good. Um, you know, the the those having technical skills, engineering, software. I mean, those fields are going to. Con- Sales is not the same. We just recently added live chat to Arkansas Flag and Banner's website, and it has reduced our number of phone calls in half. Because people would rather do live chat and ask questions over live chat than pick up the phone and call in. Sales are very different today. You can't just walk in. Well, no, you can't. They got people got locks. You can't cold call. You can't cold call at all anymore. You have to be creative. But there's but good salespeople are still in demand. So we actually hired a salesperson to do the live chat. She doesn't talk on the phone, although she could. But she's got great people skills because she types great conversations and nice conversations to people. So she's still in sales, but it's just a different form of sales. It's just- you know, and if you look at the senior population, there's going to be a lot of jobs related called seniors, elderly, whatever you want to call them in that particular industry, big growth industry. So you another part you do is you work with corporations. Let's say somebody's come in and wow, this hour has flown by. Let's say somebody comes in and, um, and says my corporate the corporation is gonna has been bought and they're gonna downsize. And then don't the corporation sometimes call you and help you come in and coach the people that are yes. gonna be laid off? Talk to mo- them a little mo- bit about well, that. You that know, happens to a lot of there, people. There's a difference between hiring people, if you've been hiring people most of your life, and now you're on the other side of the desk. That doesn't mean you're a good interviewer <laughs> because you've interviewed people. It's a different skill set. Now you have to sell yourself. I find most managers do not interview well because they, they're a little overconfident. They take it for granted that the interviewer, you know, I've been a manager. I've supervised 50, 20, 30 people. You can't assume that. You have to sell yourself. You've got to think, hey, I'm looking for a job. i got to market myself. These people don't know my skill set. They don't know about my 20 years experience. I'm going to have to educate them on what I can do, what my skill set is, and how I can be a valuable asset to this company. And I guess they're, like you said, depressed a little bit. They're down on themselves. They've lost a job they've had for 20 years. The company's downsized. So They've lost a lot of confidence. They've lost a lot. Because, let's face it, most, most people value, look at themselves the way they look at their job or their career. That's who they are. What does somebody ask you when you meet somebody? Oh, yeah. Where what do you do work? You do? What do you do? And so now I've had managers tell me, you know, they go somewhere socially, somebody asks them, and they kind of little sheepishly, uh, you know, I'm not working. And so they feel, oh, my God, these people are going to think less of me. If I lost my job and bankrupted Arkansas Flag and Banner, which I've almost done three or four times, I always said I would go back to waiting tables, which is what you talked about at the top of the hour. I love waiting tables. And when you wait tables – you you meet so many people. I feel like you could probably find a job there just by waiting tables. Well, a lot of people I've seen work as bag boys at a golf club and made connections with oh, one I of the bet. members and got a job. I mean, that's why I tell these young kids, go somewhere where you're going to make contacts. You never know who you're going to meet. So when you do, uh, so that's your networking. When you do these workshops, do you go into a, an organization and say, okay, everybody's going to get laid off in 30 days. We're going to do a workshop, and it's going to be one to three days, and this is what we're going to work on. I'll tell you, sometimes, Carrie, I've gone into a plant where it was just announced by the plant manager, HR manager, we're closing this place tomorrow. And here you go in there, and you're the guy that's saying, I'm here to help you. And you know they're not listening. They're throwing darts at you. Sure, you tell me here, and I've just got far laid off. Um, you've got to deal first you got to let them vent. you got to let them be angry. 
because they're upset. You know, it's like a death. They're going to be angry. They're going to go through denial. God, I can't believe this has happened to me. I've worked through all my life and look what the company's doing. So you have to work through those issues first before you can get them on a path to let's say, okay, now we got to look to the future. Now you got to start. Let's look at your experience, what you've done, what you want to do, your confidence level, your skill set, and, and getting them built to go out in the marketplace to sell themselves because you have, you got to be able to sell yourself. So the first day they vent, throw darts at you. And the second be, day you say, we're going to, we're going to start on resumes. Well, we we got to start working yet. Now, now we got to look to the future. It's not going to do you any good. You're going to still be upset. And I understand that we got to look now to your future. It's not going to do you any good to be PO'd for the next six months. And what is it that people should put on their resumes that sets them apart from everybody else? Accomplishments. People don't want to, companies don't want to hire the average Susie or average Joe. They're looking for the cream of the crop. You've got to get their attention on that resume. What's going to grab action words. This is what we accomplish a group. We raised sales by so much in the company. We made our branch 25% more profitable. We reduced expenses by 20%. What did you do to make an impact on that company? No matter how little you think it is, that's what companies want to hire. And I want to know, I interviewed someone just this week and I said, tell me something about you that nobody really knows that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to know that kind of stuff. Sure. It you kind of tells know, you a little bit about them. Sure. It's good if you could find out a little bit. What makes them tick? What was their, what did they do? What did they do when they were in school? What kind of part-time jobs did they have? Find out if they were a waiter or waitress or whatever. Find those things out. How does it make you feel at the end of a work week like that where everybody's upset and then everybody's trying to be optimistic and it's all over with? And what do you feel like when you come away from that? You mean if I had a bad week, you mean? or You or? know, just how does that make you feel when you have to go in and do stuff like that? Well, that's not good at all. I Anytime I had to terminate somebody, I did not sleep the night before. Because I knew I was affecting not just them, but their whole family. It's going to affect what's going on in their life, maybe their lifestyle. They're going to have to make some adjustments. It's no fun. I know that they would, they may throw darts at me and be upset, and I had to listen to that. So I understood that. I did not, nobody, and every employer that I've talked to, and I've done stuff on what's the right way, what I think is the right way to let somebody go. Uh, nobody likes doing that. Yeah, but I think when you let somebody go, if you've already done what we talked about earlier, which is coached them, told them what the, where the weaknesses are, given them tools to strengthen. Um, I was mad at Tim the other day. Remember that? <laughs> You've been mad at me a couple times, but we get through it. <laughs> and he said, just tell me what to do. And so we made a little outline, and, man, it changed his life. I mean, or it changed our life together. It saves a lot of time. You know, one of the things I've seen, Carrie, is when companies and individuals don't know expectations after they've been hired. So they're on the job 90 days and six months. And the employer says, well, I thought they could do such and such and such and such. And they, they can't do that. And the employee says, I thought this job was going to be this or that. It was not discussed. It was not gone over on a re weekly basis. And now you've got six months. Both parties are upset and time's been wasted. Yes. It's communications. So you communicated with your employee that you're going to let off and they're, they just can't figure out how to do it or come to agreement or whatever. And they still stay, even though they're unable to accomplish what you want them to accomplish. And they know they're not. And they become disgruntled and it kind of hurts morale for the whole company. So when I don't ever not sleep the night before, when I feel like I'm going in to do this person a favor because they don't have the guts to go ahead and make the decision to quit. So I'm come in and more times than not, I come in and I say, you know, I'm going to do you a favor today and I'm going to let you go because you're not very successful at this job. More times than not, they say, thank you. Oh, yeah. Because it's not a surprise. They most, want somebody to Most say. terminations, when I've asked employees later, they knew something was wrong. They knew the shoe was getting ready to drop. But you're like you said, they didn't want to be the one to quit and say, hey, 
I need to move on. It's not working out. Yeah. And sometimes I just can't pull the trigger. It's mm-hmm. just as simple as that. And sometimes I get mad. I'm not saying that it's not, that it's always, you know, wonderful and sweet. So who has influenced you the most in your life? You know, I've had several mentors like most people in their life. You know, I, that's what I tell people in their career. You've got to get people that, that can help you. I had a uh, high school baseball coach and guidance counselor. My dad was working all the time. My mother wasn't around. So I needed somebody to go to. So when I was upset, you know, you are as a kid, you feel insecure. I'd go over to his house and I could vent. To a guidance counselor. And my baseball coach. He was supportive. He and I are still good friends today. He's looked to me for advice for his kids. He was one of my mentors. I had a boss who was a mentor, who, as I said, was one of those people who had high expectations and standards. He and I stayed connected throughout our lives. I've called upon him for guidance. I had a consultant that I used. Uh, I was able to call on him when I needed some help and guidance. You know, when you own a business, people don't think that owners get inse- don't get insecure. Oh, please. <laughs> you don't sleep at night. you got a payroll to meet. You've got a personality conflict. You, your your business is down one year. All these things happen. Up the next. And you've got to, it's nice to have somebody that you can vent and say, hey, you know, I understand. I've been through that. And gives you set support and confidence. So I still am able to call on those people uh, for some guidance and support and say, Aaron, it's all right that you that you made a mistake. You know, you're going to, you know, most successful baseball players, if they hit 333, that's one out of three. And they're happy with it. You're going to make mistakes. Give me one word to sum you up. One word, and then we're going to check out. I'd say the one word to sum me up would be, one of them would be probably adventuresome. I've been adventuresome in my business. I've been adventuresome in my life. You talked about travel. Uh, To me, life is an adventure. Uh, You're here once. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. Have fun. That is so important in your business career. You're working all day. So I've been adventuresome in my business. I've made some, done some risks. Some of them worked out. Some of them didn't work out. That's right. And yet, yet that's true for everybody. Thank you so much for coming on. You are just a life-changing person. And I think people probably got a lot of what you had to say. This is for you. you. And I will, I've got a place on my desk that I will put that among some of the flags of my other countries. Oh, I bet you I do. And all the 112 places that you've traveled. So this, that's a desk set of the Arkansas, the U.S., and California. That's your alma mater where you graduated from college. I, I didn't realize you were from Missouri or I'd have gotten that for you. If you've got a great entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org and someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program's been about you, you're right, but it's also been for me. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guests. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.